Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome to the Untitled Art Podcast, recorded live at the 12th edition of Untitled Art here in Miami Beach. My name is Annie Lau Slaughter, and I work in VIP relations and communications at Untitled. I'm pleased to be introducing this panel discussion titled CO.ZA, presented by our, our exhibitor, Ebony Curator, who has brought three South African galleries together today, all of whom are exhibiting at the 12th edition of Untitled Art. I'm delighted to introduce our panelists, Mark Staines, founder and director of Ebony Curated in Cape Town, South Africa, in conversation with Jana Terblanche, head of development at the Southern Guild, also based in Cape Town. And lastly, Matthew Dowdle, the director of Kalashnikov Gallery, based in Johannesburg. These institutions will be discussing the interaction between materiality, the digital age, and the relationship with physical spaces tied to this year's curatorial theme, Curating in the Digital Age. And now I'm delighted to be handing the mic over to Mark, who will be beginning the conversation and further introducing our panelists today. Thank you very much. Um, so if I can again introduce on my right, uh, Yana Tablanche, who's a director of Southern Guild in Cape Town. And on my left, Matthew Dowdle, who is the gallery director at Kalashnikov Gallery in Johannesburg. Um, and I'd like to invite uh, each of you to maybe say a little bit about your, own, your galleries, your program, and also possibly why you're here at Untitled Miami. Jana. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate that kind introduction. It's a pleasure to be here with uh, my contemporaries and to be having, be having a discussion with two galleries that I really admire. Um, I think we've all created a little community, so that feels real, really good. Um, I'm a director at Southern Guild Gallery, as Mark said, um, based in Cape Town. Um, excitingly enough, we're opening a space in Los Angeles in February, so we'll be expanding our U.S. Um, footprint. Um, our gallery um, represents artists from Africa, con making contemporary art across mediums and also the diaspora. We're very interested in the relationship between work that is made on the continent and how that speaks to the grander diasporic like conversations. Um, our artists work in various mediums from, we have a very strong ceramics program, very strong painting program, and uh, the things that tie them together are ritualistic practices, ancestry, and it just, yeah, spirituality. Um, um, yeah, I think that's okay for now. Thank you. Matthew? Thank you, Mark. Um, Kalashnikov Gallery is in its 10th year now, founded in Johannesburg by myself and Marie Turpin. The overarching idea with the gallery was really to challenge the prevailing discourse around white cubes and the way and mode in which contemporary art is presented and digested by an art-going public in South Africa. In years following the founding of the gallery, that conversation has led more into the way in which African art is positioned internationally and being aware and being sensitive to the fact that everything we do in our own city and country affects the global perception of African art. And I think really we wanted to just increase certain 
points in that as a gallery, which would be accessibility, which would be the way that we deal with the non-art-going public and creating new markets of people who are typically not involved in the art world and making that a safe and accessible space for new converts to understand what's happening in their own country through the artists of our time. Thank you, Matthew. Um, and then lastly, a little bit about Ebony Curated. Um, the gallery was started in 2007 in the Winelands, about 45 minutes outside of Cape Town. Uh, we now have three gallery spaces in and around the Cape. Um, we originally became known as a kind of instigator uh, of um, emerging talent with a lot of young artists, which has then kind of organically grown into including uh, masters, uh, artists who are more established, and artists working in a variety of mediums, whether it's uh, ceramics, we have a very strong ceramics program, a lot of materiality, and obviously two-dimensional works as well. Um, I think like uh, Kalashnikov and Southern Guild, we all look to the exciting new talent that's coming out of the continent, and we all look beyond the borders of South Africa. So a lot of the relationships that we want to build on are those from the diaspora and not solely within, as I said, South Africa. So what I would like to do is really open up the conversation, and it's going to be a fairly open conversation, really about um, the role of curating in the digital age. Um, and it's something that I think affects all of us as gallerists. So we have a few little notes, so I'm going to go down a little bit off my notes. Um, Fantastic. And really, it's about the importance of materiality and physical spaces and how it relates to the works. And specifically, has that, in terms of the works that we brought to Untitled, have our, have our choices been influenced by technology? Jana, would you like to have a Yeah, thank you for that question, yes. Um, I think because we are so far away, relatively speaking, I think we like to think of ourselves as a hub, but when you're in the US, it is quite far. It, it's important to firstly know your the market um, and also to bring, the, as the works, most, most of these works have never been seen in the US or, or isn't seen very often. I mean, all of us do international fairs, but you want to bring work that, is going to translate really well digitally so that it, it's not just um, appreciated by people in the fair because obviously when we are doing reach out and hoping to connect with collectors it's at the fair but also beyond through our own personal well, digital channels so in terms of the works we've brought to Untitled we're showing a three-hander uh, two South African painters and one ceramic artist from Zimbabwe and I think the work has been influenced by um, how it would be perceived online in the, in the way that we make sure that the works that we bring photograph well. I think photography is one of the cornerstones of Southern Guild because we have a really international audience. And through catalogs and through digital communication is mostly where we do our selling. So it has to be works that can translate well. That can be difficult sometimes, Mark, with ceramics, as you would know, because ceramics works in the round. They might look great um, in photos, but you don't get the physicality of them. Um, the particular works, Ante Shomas, the ceramic pieces we bought are very bright, they have great texture. Um, I think they do translate well digitally. Um, the other two artists we bought, their paintings are fairly flat um, on purpose. Katlejot um, Labella is a painter working in acrylic on Belgian linen and collage elements, and they 
I must be honest, they've translated fabulously <laughs> digitally. So I think that was definitely a choice. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think we've all seen Catalecos works historically on Instagram kind of really standing out. Yeah, he, he is also someone who takes his digital um, presence very seriously, which um, it's a pleasure to work with an artist who has an understanding of that. I don't think artists have to do that. That is the role of the gallery. But I think he does it in a really yeah, intelligent way. And the last artist we bought, I think, most relates most to this conversation in that he is so inspired by the digital age and he paints on glass to replicate looking at things through screens. Um, so definitely have taken in consideration bringing work here, but I think one of the pleasures of bringing work here is actually bringing the, making the digital come to life. So you kind of want both. You want the work to look great online, but you also want people to be surprised and in, interested in the booth and realize that it is beyond just a 2D image you see. Okay. Um, Matthew, do you have a view on uh, what you brought and, you know, has, it, uh, has technology influenced your decisions here? Thank you, Mark. Um, yes, indeed. You would have to be living in a different era to not be influenced by this, I think. Jana, you spoke a lot about the aesthetic side of how the digital influences decision-making, especially in the context of a fair like this. Um, yes, the power of the PDF cannot be overlooked. Um, having work that translates onto a screen as well as still wows in real life is of utmost importance. But I like to think more of the way that the information about artists is perpetuated online so or in a digital space. Um, I'm really interested in the way that a collector who's meeting an artist that they might not know of will do their first initial research on that artist and it'll fluctuate between one of three major platforms being social media, Instagram, Artsy and probably an Artnet or a news channel or whatever Google will first feed you on that artist which implicates where they stand in their digital landscape. So I think the choice for me was artists who have a very big digital footprint and that's separated completely from their aesthetic and what the physicality of the work is like. So we did decide to bring artists that are already well known in the US and have a big digital footprint as far as text, as far as PR, as far as what you can find out about them before you see their work and what other people are saying about them. So. I like to think about the digital age, not just in the aesthetic, but in how the information flows. I'm, I'm interested about that. So when you're making your choices as to who to bring to the fair, do you then take an active note of their profile online? And Very much so. Jana? I mean, that's an, inter that's an interesting question. I hadn't really thought about that. Um, I think we as a gallery also make sure that we have amazing collateral on our artists. Like it's very, we make sure to take portraits that represent who they are, hopefully in their studio, they're making. Um, I, I am interested to hear that you um, do look at their digital footprint. I think that happens almost when you're starting to work with an artist. Like I think it would be difficult to work with an artist if, the, if they haven't represented themselves um, correctly. 
That being said, you can also guide them. And there's also the thing of allure and interest. Um, but uh, yeah, coming back to how we represent our artists, we like to take a very active positioning there with okay. great, you know, photographs. I mean, it is quite interesting that because um, we brought two artists to the, um, to the fair, one of them who is not on Instagram. Right. In any way, <laughs> shape or form. Very um, mysterious. And, and, how do uh, they survive, Mark? Well, I'll come back to that. Thank you, Matthew. And then um, one who does have quite a strong presence on Instagram. And I think there's also here, it's an age divide. I mean, I think what we brought is two artists who work quite strongly within materiality. Um, one artist in his 70s. So he has, you know, the digital age has never been relevant to him. And I'm not saying that uh, more established artists are not interested in the digital realm, which because many of them are. It's just it's never been important to him in terms of his profile and, you know, how his work has been perceived. And obviously that is the role of a gallery, therefore, to pick that up. And I don't know as a gallery whether we should have created an Instagram channel for him, which we probably should have. Um, I think you made a very smart decision in not doing that. <laughs> I would tend to agree. <laughs> you know, you've got to, you've got to let people represent themselves in whichever media suits them and their practice. Well, I think that's kind of a nub of really what we're talking about. Yeah, I, th I feel like, you know, not being on Instagram as an artist is a much more powerful statement. I would love to not be on Instagram as a curator. <laughs> I, I just don't have that much power. I, I'm still aspiring to be that. You're aspiring that to be off the grid? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, just coming, um, I don't really want to, you know, talk so much necessarily about the artists that we've brought, but I think it is relevant to the question because one of the artists that we brought is an artist who works for textile and the other one is a painter who views his, his artworks as sculptures. And they don't necessarily, they work quite well digitally, but not that well. So I think what Matthew, you said, I think I quite like is that I think the background information is really important. And it's not just, so it's the writing, you know, which is obviously accessible to everybody these days. You know, so the more information you as a gallery can have there to build the profile of the artist, these things all feed in. Um, so I think, I don't think in our case, we probably did make a technological decision in who we were bringing, mm -hmm. which is probably a bit stupid of us. But, but you have um, a, a fantastic textile artist and textile art is difficult to translate um, online sometimes, I would feel, unless you have various angles or videos. I mean, Matthew, you also brought quite a lot of textile art. Do you think, do you think that, that that materiality is difficult to translate or do you, do you, do you not find that problem? I think it is more important to see the work in real life than anything else. And this conversation, as relevant as it is, we have to have the underlying understanding that the whole reason this ecosystem exists is for people to see the work in real life. It would be have, amazing um, You have to online art fair PTSD. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're, we're all still recovering from three years of non-physical engagement. And taking that away perpetuated art in the digital age, and that was great. But now we have it back. Now we have to use but, both at the same time. But we are here. We are And we here. are physically at a And fair. our audience is physically here. And seeing is believing. Touching is even better, depending on the type of work. And, you know, you want to have all of these tactile 
elements ultimately as entry points into the work? I think um, just what I find interesting about being at a fair and the kind of add-on of the technology is that um, I think we find that once someone has actually interacted with a piece of the fair, if they've, if they've never seen it before in, in person, the moment they've seen a work in person, when they see it maybe a year later or six months later digitally, it actually makes sense because they built up that that image in their brain, that kind of 360 degree view. So it really makes sense. And it's much easier than to converse, you know, with whoever yes. it may be. So even um, if the sale doesn't have, or the acquisition doesn't happen now, now that they've seen it, it's much easier to, for them to understand and grasp it. Well, I, I would say that I think it's, of course, it's, we, we all like to sell. It's not purely about the selling. It's about people's understanding about what we're showing and the building up the profile. Yes, obviously, we're at a fair, we want to sell. But I think it's that kind of greater understanding of what we're all bringing to the, to the conversation and how the viewer, you know, because it may be five years before they want to acquire something. And, and that little thing that you might email them, that little thing they may see on Artsy or Instagram will suddenly kick off a little, a little, you know, bit of memory at the back of their head. I think this engagement with the physicality of works is one of the main reasons why we have decided to open a, a outpost in Los Angeles, just because it does allow for that, you know, interaction. I thought that your fans wanted you to be there. That's why. Oh, they, that too. <laughs> I'm ready for Hollywood. <laughs> um, just, to, I think I want to move on to uh, another point, which is um, from a South African and African perspective, is that I think in obviously Europe and America, digital platforms are hugely important. And I think, you know, it may be interesting to people from a South African perspective or an African perspective, are platforms and accessibility to platforms, are they very important to us? Um, do they, you know, are we very aware of a global audience in the deep, in the global south, you know, which is where we're based? Yeah, I mean, as, a, as someone with also a curatorial background, the way that I engage with most work that inspires me it is online. So I think places like, you know, the various platforms that you can use to put your works on, they're, they're inspiring to me. I think coming back to some sort of the non-commercial side, I also think it's fantastic that artists have access to these platforms so that they can see what's going on in the world. I mean, seeing it in person is obviously the preference, but if not, I think within a South African context, again, we are so far from the global art market that it, it is important. I'm, I mean, you, we were talking a little bit earlier and it, it is also sometimes challenging as a gallery to relay yourself online and to fight for space in the, the digital realm. So it's great, but it also has its challenges. I agree with that. Um, I think there's two sides to the story. The one is accessibility for artists. The other is accessibility for galleries to make meaningful tools of these existing platforms. Artists... I think fight for space is the perfect uh, phrase because, you know, the digital platforms that are focused on art have given artists tremendous power to be equally as visible or invisible as they would want to be. It's democratized in a lot of ways. What is not democratized is the way that galleries still have to fight for their own space on your bigger prominent 
digital platforms, Artnet, Artsy, and in other so-called free media spaces, which often becomes paid for media space. So I feel like galleries have access, but until Artsy has a dedicated platform specifically for African arts, or at least a dedicated channel or um, sort of tariff specifically for African galleries, which we've been waiting for for a long time, despite many uh, sales emails. To you know, whoever's all, listening, wink, wink. <laughs> all of these things are very interesting because we live in a different economy as African galleries. So what is equitable or affordable for a US gallery to be on the world's biggest digital marketplace is very inaccessible to South Africa. Do we all still do it? Yes. Do we use podcasts to complain? Maybe. <laughs> you know, these are all very poignant points on accessibility and what the digital age means to everyone. I, I mean, prefer to go uh, for free and more, I would say, what you can do yourself online that still has penetration, that's where you have to focus. No, I, I think that's very important. I think, obviously, what technology has done is it's brought a kind of the audience to us as galleries. But I think, you know, we are reliant on these extra platforms. And Matthew, you mentioned Artsy, which is, is slightly divisive in the, the African context, down, purely down to the economics. Um, you know, we are all on it and it's a very important tool. We have a great relationship with, with them. But I think it is expensive for, for galleries on the continent and they really struggle, partly down to exchange rates, earning power and the price of what, you know, the price of the artworks that we're selling. I mean, I think that's, there's quite a difference in scale between European and American galleries and galleries in the Far East uh, and many of the galleries, you know, in, in South Africa and Africa and beyond. And um, yeah, just to also add how, how dependent we are on the editorial teams on these platforms to please see us, you know. So if, you, if you're kind of not in that algorithmic loop, you might be missed. So there's still a lot of legwork behind the digital scene to make the digital scene happen. But I think it is important for us as galleries that we, we recognize that for our artists, they need to have a voice. And for that voice to be increased, we have to give them the opportunities on as many of these platforms as possible or as economically viable. Um, just moving along, as curators, how is it in, you know, in this kind of a crazy age of information and image consumption, which everybody is bombarded by, um, how can we curate at this time, you know, with this kind of the weight of technology on, on your shoulder? How, does that, what are the decisions that you make? How has it changed? You know, are you aware as a curator, does technology play a part in your decision-making process, Jana? Yeah, I mean, I think it's for me and it's going to depend from artist to artist. Um, some artists are a, an easier fit. I mean, especially if they, they work in mediums that are either digital or translate really well digitally. I, I think it would be impossible to say that you don't curate at all for the digital age, especially because, again, the, the distance and how most of this work is going to be experienced through imagery, through online tours, whatever, whatever it may be. We, um, we put a lot of effort into making videos about our shows. 
um, either video walkthroughs or videos leading up to the show um, where the artist explains their practice. You can be in their studio, etc. So in that way, yes. Um, but then again, part of me wants to say, well, I wouldn't just curate something purely because it's going to work in the, in the tech, uh, through the technological gaze because that would seem inauthentic. Yeah. yeah. Matthew? Hmm. <laughs> Um, I knew this was coming. <laughs> with, without going on too many tangents, um, you know, the question made me think of something that Rick Rubin always says. You never make the music for the audience. I don't, I'm not saying I agree with that 100% or I do or I don't. It's just an interesting standpoint to take. So... The parallel is obviously curating a show, knowing that you have, and I say show, it could be in the gallery space, it could be in the fair. The, the fair is, I think, more likely to be a space where this propagates, is that people are looking for a moment that translates and can potentially go viral. That was with many inverted commas, but, um, you know, do you want that to happen? Yes. Do you want it to happen organically, as Jana said? Yes. Should the work always speak for itself without having to be staged? Yes. But now you have the ability to manipulate that as the curator. So I guess it comes down to your curatorial approach. My curatorial approach has always been to try and see work through the eyes of people who are seeing the work for the first time. And that's what I was talking about with digital footprints and the things that are not in our control. You know, you can place an artist's career online and you can manage all their portals, but there's a lot that's going to be out there that you're not in control of. Likewise, you're not in control of someone's first impression, especially at a fair that has thousands of people a day. So do you want to create that moment for them? Yes, I believe that it's in our nature to try and create the most high impact first impression, especially at fairs and also in exhibitions. But exhibitions are different because exhibitions for me are about discovery. Um, you want to have a space where you can get more sucked in and where you can be more reflective. Whereas at the fair, your curation is very much how do you make 10 seconds meaningful for all of your artists and for the audience at the same time. I think, I think that's quite interesting because I think it comes to, again, something that's hugely important in, in making your decisions as a gallery. If you're doing a fair or a show, you know, do you solely base it on a kind of technological decision or just do you go with that kind of gut feeling about what is good, what is original and um, kind of being true to your gallery and true to yourself. Um, but look, to, just to move it along again, algorithms. Ooh. <laughs> I'm not sure I should be saying that word, but algorithms. Does it feel wrong? <laughs> it does. Um, does that, should it, or does it influence our decision-making process? Are we aware of it as galleries? Do we think about it when we're sending information out? Um, and I think this obviously is more relevant for social media, artsy. Um, Jana, your thoughts? 
Oh, I had a lot of thoughts now. Um, the, the word algorithms, I mean, it, there's so many meanings, but one thing that came to mind was actually, I was really sitting with, um, when I was doing the initial preview send outs, um, about what, was, uh, what I was going to title the email to catch people's attention. I mean, that's not really algorithmic, but it's, it's that thing to be a little strange um, and get people's and not just like, hey, we're here. Um, I'm someone who's generally quite online. I take hiatuses sometimes. <laughs> and I think that my experience in that space has taught me that there are certain things that are going to catch people's attention. Um, and sometimes it's not just an image of the work. Maybe it's an image of someone really fabulous in front of the work and one we don't like to be this surface, but I think that's maybe what this question is asking. Um, looking at more of the digital platforms, look, we all know a little bit of tricks and tips, you know, to do it, but that takes a lot of manpower. I mean, one of these ones that often gets told is what we were speaking about earlier is where you shouldn't upload everything immediately. You should upload in batches so that the, the magical little computer man at, at the back pushes you to the front and but with that comes manpower which is um tricky so yeah lots of things to consider matthew matthew your um, thoughts on the subject of the algorithm i'm not sure which algorithm we're talking about but there are many um i like to think of engagement as the primary factor that drives all digital interaction and engagement is what any platform monetizes so if you can get your audience to pick up their phone any time that it has to do with your art or your artists. Something is being recorded, something is being redistributed into a digital space. So are we making decisions or are we doing things that make people pick up their phones? I believe we are. And I think the artists are now very aware of what a piece is going to necessitate as the next action from their audience. And I see a lot of artists working towards that moment of, I'm going to take a picture of this piece. I might send it to someone, I might not, but I want to have this picture because I know I'm only going to be in this space for a short period of time. I'm um, quite interested in the, the background of these things because if you'd asked me this five years ago, I probably might have looked rather blankly at you, but um, working with a considerably younger team, I've learned a considerable amount about algorithms and the importance of them, and actually seen what it can do for you as a gallery. Um, what it does mean as a gallery is that basically a lot of your model changes because you end up having to have someone who is solely responsible for looking after the platforms you're on, like Artsy, uh, Instagram, and it takes a huge amount of manpower. I mean, I think the amount of time that one of our um, colleagues in our Cape Town gallery spends online and thinking about it is extraordinary. But it, and it may not always be apparent, you know, well, the because results. It's, it's not seen, it's just magically there, right? <laughs> yes. But I think there's no doubt that, um, again, if we come back to Artsy, which is an important platform for all of us, we do see the benefits sometimes if you kind of follow the rules, whatever that rule may be on the algorithm. I do feel the rules also change quite a lot or, you know, can, so the algorithm can also get you. <laughs> yeah, I think um, just one thing I want to touch on, because I know we're running a little short on time, 
Um, and it's something I learned actually at the fair today. And it, it comes on the back of, you know, technology, the relationship with artworks and technology, how people engage and how they will engage with it in the future. And there's always been this conversation about, you know, how galleries um, relate to their clients who are not physically always there and how those clients get to see something digitally um, and digitally in the space where, you know, they may be thousands of miles, thousands of kilometers or miles away from your space, but how they can see in almost a 3D setting. And, and I have to say that, you know, obviously with uh, AI and also augmented reality, we're moving into a space where things are going to rapidly change. The physical aspect of a gallery will still be there, but how people interact with it, I think is going to be quite different from what I understand. I mean, I've seen things at this fair shown to me where people can almost walk through your space and it becomes a complete 3D space. So that's always been a difficulty of, of the relationship between the technology and the gallery is how do people really fully get that three-dimensional aspect. And something I find equally interesting is collectors digitizing their collection to have virtual museums. Now they're also being more influenced than ever by how is this piece going to stand out while it's in storage but very prominently displayed in my digital platform. So may the algorithm and the, and the ever the, be in your favor. True, and the rise of the Instagram collector page, you know? Yes, which is the digital museum, yeah. My foundation requires a new algorithm for this transaction. I adore it. It's easy to see things. I mean, I think just to, uh, yeah, quickly just to look at the other side, I also find that the more things we yes, we become digital, there is that moment where I sometimes feel like collectors do gravitate towards things that perhaps don't translate as so digital because they are so maybe weary and tired of the digital. So there really is two sides. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any last comments, Matthew? Um, I will leave you with this gem. <laughs> um, if I haven't made it clear, I think I stand in a space where physicality is the most important thing for me. I, in fact, one of my great loves of the art world is the ability to put down my phone or to stay away from a screen. I use the two as, well, one as the antithesis of the other. There's many different types of connection. Uh, for me personally, I'm very involved in the face-to-face, -face, either with the artist, with a collector, with anyone who has the inclination to walk into the gallery and ask a question. That is my best part of what I do and what this whole ecosystem means. Traditionally, Kalashnikov Gallery has just been lucky with the type of artists we represent and the nature of their work to cut through the algorithm through whether it be a viral moment or something that's controversial or something that is challenging or you know the artists have been doing that for us without us having to do it for them that is the power of working with certain types of artists so to cut through the algorithm i think for anyone who's going to listen to this and Asked, did I learn anything? I think the most important thing is work with people who have the ability to transcend the norm and to defy the traditional.
No, I think that's absolutely correct because it is an add-on to what we do. It is not the most important thing that we do. And I think that personal interaction with the collector and with the piece, whatever the art is that you're showing and interacting with, that is still hugely important. And that will not change in my view. Jana, any last minute thoughts? Um, I just want to thank you both. I think this has been lovely. It's great to connect across the world. Um, I think my, my last thoughts would be that the digi digital platforms and the digital space is really important. Um, I hope that through that, the authenticity of the works is not lost or, or slash and that galleries, artists stay, stay with what the work's about and translate that with sensitivity in the digital space. Um, and just that I'm always very excited and scared for the future. <laughs> Thank you, Jana. I think on that note, that's a good point to stop. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>